Who likes receiving invitations? Yep. Why, why do you like receiving invitations? Or do you? No? Has anybody had an invitation recently? Yeah, make you feel special. Fantastic. Well, I don't know... Um, Kind of, if you've had any kind of special invitations uh, recently, um, I'm, I'm sure that some of you have had invitations to to the palace before. Yes, I know that some of you have. I have as well, actually. But why are invitations good to get? I think they're great because a it tells you that somebody's thinking about you. Somebody cares for you enough to invite you, usually, to some kind of celebration. And it's something to look forward to, isn't it? It's something to be excited about. But there's a number of things that are really important to take note of on an invitation. What are the really important things on on an invitation? There's some good clues on the one on the screen there. If you'd like to call out... What are the important bits to take note of on an invitation? The date, yeah, when it is. It's kind of important. Date and time, it would be, yeah, where it is, yep. The person who sent it, fantastic. And in this case, it was the Queen herself. What else is important on an invitation? Who it's to, yes, that's kind of important, isn't it? What else? It's kind of hard to see down the bottom. What? How you respond. Yes, absolutely. An RSVP, usually, on the bottom. And uh, last thing I think is important, if you've got really good eyes, you might be able to see the, the, the bottom right of the screen. The dress code, yeah. What you're supposed to wear at that particular celebration. Have any of you ever turned down an invitation? Yeah? What were some of the reasons you turned down that invitation? You were double, ooh, double booked, yeah. (laughs) Full diary. So how did you decide which was the one that you accepted? Ah, politically correct answer, very good. I guess... If at all possible, if you get an invitation, you try and accept it, don't you? You do your level best to to go along. Now, Jesus, in the Bible, he loved parties. And he loved, in particular, wedding parties, wedding celebrations. Do you know the first miracle he performed was at a wedding, where he went and he turned water into wine. And he had special parties laid on, For him, by his friends, we read that Mary and Martha laid on a special celebration, particularly in Jesus' honor. And Jesus used a number of parables about weddings to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. Now, weddings were kind of really important, and it's uh, it's important to understand a little bit about Jewish uh, wedding tradition and custom, because it's quite different to the way that uh, we have uh, weddings now. It wasn't like you get an invitation from uh, Her Majesty and uh, you just turn up. The way the weddings worked was that a young man would decide who he felt was going to be um, his right partner for life. 
And he would go to the family of that uh, young lady with a sum of money. And he would pay this sum of money to the, the father. And if the father agreed that they made a good match, then effectively they were what's called betrothed. It was kind of like being engaged. But in Jewish law, from that point on, they were married. They were promised to each other, but the whole marriage ceremony hadn't taken place. And the only thing that could break them apart was in the case of unfaithfulness. So from that point of that initial promise, they were married. But the husband-to-be would then leave, and he would go off to prepare a room in his father's house for them to live when they were married. And the bride-to-be may not see the husband for quite some time. And actually, she would never know when um, he was going to come back. But in that intervening time, she would have to learn, she would have to prepare, she would have to understand what it uh, meant to be a good wife. And uh, she would have to be ready at a moment's notice to uh, um, accept her husband to be back kind of uh, turns it on its head. Usually, in our culture, it's the husband waiting for the wife, isn't it? But uh, in Jewish culture, it was the wife that had to wait patiently for the husband to come back. And the husband would arrive um, with a big kind of fanfare, a trumpet, and uh, the the wife-to-be and all the bridesmaids would have to get up and get ready and and then go and meet um, the bridegroom. And so the celebrations would be completed. So that's the kind of background to the Jewish tradition. And in that context, I want to read two passages from Matthew that Jesus used as parables to tell us about the kingdom of God. And I'm going to change the word slightly to bring it uh, um, up to date um, in one of them. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps, their torches, and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their torches, but didn't take any spare batteries with them. The wise, however, took their torches and took a pack of spare batteries with them. Now, the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and all the bridesmaids became drowsy, and they fell asleep. And at midnight, a cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the bridesmaids woke up, and they turned on their torches. But they realized that they were running out of battery. They were all dim. And the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your spare batteries. Our torches are going dim. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us. Uh, for both us and you. Instead, go down to Tesco's and buy some new ones for yourselves. But while they were away at Tesco's, the bridegroom arrived. The bridesmaids, who were ready with their spare batteries, went in to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the others who'd been off at Tesco's came and said, Sir, sir, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. 
Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. See, Jesus was saying to his disciples, it is so important to be ready, because he used this parable because it was just so uh, perfectly matched to his relationship with the bride, the church. Here he was, he'd made uh, a promise to the church. He'd gone off to prepare a room in his father's house. And we as the church don't know when he's going to come back. But he says, be ready. But then he uh, went on and uh, gave another, another parable, this time about another wedding feast. And I'll read this. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused. They turned down the invitation. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who've been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been slaughtered and everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One went off to his field and another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet's ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Now I need to say another thing about um, Jewish tradition in weddings. In that, you see there, there's a, a dress code. In Jewish traditions, particularly where there was a very wealthy family involved, the father of the bridegroom would actually provide clothes for the guests. So that when the guests turned up, they would have clothes laid out that they could put on and they would all then feel special. They'd, uh, um, they'd feel part of the celebrations. But also it was very helpful to, to uh, pick out those who'd not been invited because they wouldn't have these clothes to put on. And so was the context of, uh, of that parable that Jesus told. But there's a number of things that I want to kind of pull out here. First of all, despite the fact that this was a, an invitation to a very special celebration, the people who were invited, first of all, did not accept the invitation. And it wasn't like they were double booked. It wasn't like they'd already had a better offer. They were just too busy going about their everyday business. And there were those that actually took the invitation as a, almost a huge insult 
and they beat up those that were bringing the invitation and, and killed them. It's not a way to go about people who invite you to a party. But then the invitation was made open to everyone, if you notice. Just because those first um, uh, invitees didn't come, the master sent his servants out to go everywhere and call people in to the celebration. But it was so important that those that came were wearing the right clothes. That dress code was so critically important. So I know that some of you have had a royal invitation like this, perhaps to a garden party. The invitation I got was to go and receive my uh, Duke of Edinburgh award. But actually, whether you realize it or not, we have all received a royal invitation. That royal invitation is clearly laid out in this book. Who's it from? It's from the King of Kings. Not just Her Majesty the Queen of, uh, of Great Britain. This invitation is from the very King of Kings, the creator of all things. Who's it to? Everyone. Everyone who wants to accept that invitation. Where's the invitation to? What's the location? To heaven. Clearly, God's word says that those that accept the invitation, he were called to be with him in heaven forever and ever. What's the dress code? Robes of righteousness. If you look in Revelation you'll see that John witnesses a whole crowd that nobody can count suddenly appear all dressed in, in white clothes. And John asks the angel who's kind of leading him through this vision, who are they? And the angel says to John, they are those that have washed themselves white in the blood of the Lamb. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, they have been made clean. But lastly, when is this invitation for? See, the trouble is, with this invitation that's in this book, there is no date. There is no date or time when this uh, party is going to take place. So we don't know when that call is going to come. We don't know when we've got to be ready and get up and go out to, uh, to meet the bridegroom. Plenty of signs in here that would give us indication, give us hints of when it might be, but no date. So when it comes time to the RSVP, it's kind of tricky, isn't it? But actually God says, now is the time. Now is the time to accept because you just don't know whether you will have another opportunity or not. Jesus, in Revelation 3.20, says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. That's the door of, of your lives. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to come in and eat with him and he with me. A picture of that uh, future banquet. 
There was a famous picture painted, and this is not actually it, but there was a famous picture by an artist called Holman Hunt uh, about um, Jesus knocking on the door. But this is a, a kind of type of that picture. And when Holman Hunt first painted this picture, um, somebody picked him up and said, uh, you've made a mistake. Because on that door, there's no handle. And there isn't, there's no handle on that door that you can see. And Holman Hunt said, no, deliberately not. Because the handle is on the inside of the door. It's only the person on the inside that is able to open that door. Jesus will not force his way in. So I wonder, this royal invitation that we've all been given to this party, this party in heaven, this great celebration that will last forever, what's our response going to be? What is your RSVP going to say? Is it going to be like some of those people in that parable to say, do you know what, I'm a bit busy at the minute. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me get on and uh, get those things sorted out. Is it going to be discussed to say, how dare you, I don't need you? Or is it going to be, yeah, Lord, actually, <laughs> I accept this invitation. You see, this is more than just an invitation to a party. This is a matter of life and death. I don't know if you noticed the um, back end of the, of the passage, that I, the second passage that I read, where this guy who somehow kind of got himself into this party, but he's not wearing the clothes. I don't know if you thought about who that could possibly be. How did somebody wearing the wrong clothes get into this wedding? See, I honestly believe that that's a, a kind of type of people who kind of come along to church and, uh, and think, well, you know, I'm, I'm part of church. What's the problem? I, I kind of do the church stuff. I'm a good person. But actually, they never accepted the wedding clothes. You know, it's quite easy, isn't it, just to come along with your family, just to be a part of church, but not be part of the bride of Christ. It's quite easy not to have formally accepted that invitation, not to formally RSVP'd, not to have taken on the robes. And what happens to those people? They get thrown outside. And it's more than just left out of the party. They're thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, thrown out into the darkness, eternally away from God. Now I know that most of you here today have accepted that royal invitation that we have in the Bible. But there's maybe those who haven't. There's maybe those who haven't quite realized the importance of this invitation. It's not just a party. It's a matter of life and death. And you know, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. God's knocking on that door, wanting you to be a part of his family. So I'm going to say a prayer now. And uh, if you want to say this prayer as a formal RSVP response to God, then just say it in your hearts. We'll all close our eyes 
and uh, we'll just say this prayer together. Father God, I thank you that you have given us this invitation. This invitation to be with you, to be a part of your family. And Lord, I know that on my own, I'm not good enough to come in to be a part of that celebration. I know that the things I've done are like filthy rags, dirty clothes in your sight. But Lord, I thank you through what Jesus has done, dying for us, that it's as if my filthy clothes can be washed clean. I can be given these new robes of righteousness that allow me to come in and be a part of your family. So Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done and uh, I ask for your forgiveness and I ask that you would turn my life around, give me those new clothes that Lord, uh, I would be ready and fit to come in, come into heaven to share in your celebration. I ask this in Jesus' name.